morning. It's going to be a little bit of a different thing, but I want to, I want, here's what I want to tell you. One, I'm thankful for a church who's willing to try new things. Amen. One of the things I've learned, I hope you've learned and you've seen, I've learned about you is during this coronavirus, you are willing to try new things. Amen. I can never again say that Bible Fellowship is not willing to try new things. And so one of the ways I told you a minute ago when we do this mashup, this fall mashup that we're going to do, I, I couldn't have I couldn't have made this stuff up. This is just how God works. This little book that you hold in your hand, I'll describe it in a minute. I was telling Brother Jimmy about it and how I found out the opportunity that I could save and, and get a bulk quantity. And when I called the company, they said, well, our bulk quantity starts at 100. And I was like, man, I have my business. You know, my business could pay for that. But I'm like, I don't I don't need 100 of these, right? I could, if they were 48 or 50, I would have bought them. And never forget, Jimmy and I were standing in the parking lot talking. And he said, buy them. He said, let's give every family that comes to the fall mashup one of these. Okay? So not only that, but because we have 100, that takes care of every family who comes. How are we going to present the gospel? The gospel is here. We're going to encourage them with verses of scripture with a video that goes on the landing page that's for this event. We're going to remind them that Jesus loves them. But then also, because we have a hundred, each family, each household of the church, we wanted you to have one of these. Now, here's why you hold this in your hand. I picked up this book. I'm always looking for different resources. I tell you that all the time. I'm, I, I try to collect resources because I know that we're all trying to grow. There's one I'm going to share with you this week that is about uh, false religions. And it's a little fact sheet on all kinds of false religions. I'm going to share that. You can print them out, put them in a notebook, put them where you study the Bible. Put them in your resources. That's what I want to do. I want to give you resources to help you grow your faith. So this book, One Hour in the Bible, the thing I found compelling about this is it legit is one hour in the Bible. So what you get is from Genesis to Revelation, you get the grand scheme. You get the big picture of what God is doing from creation to the end of time. And you can read it in one hour. And I want to let you know that I tried it. I picked it up and and I, I sat down and it took me right at an hour and I read through it. And there were things that I had not read in quite a while. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, you know, some people, their goal in life is to read through the Bible in it from cover to cover. My grandmother did that for probably 25 or 30 years. And she kept a well-worn um, reading plan that she used. But this is the grand picture of what Scripture is about. And it costs less than you could buy somebody a meal combo for lunch. That it could change their lives. I want to invite you really quick this morning before we begin. And I just want to share this with you. If you'll turn to Roman numeral V3 or Roman numeral 8. Right before page 1. This is one reason that I like this resource. is because within 300 words it gives a summary of the Bible. It's intentional. Every word is chosen purposely. And I want us to read this together this morning. It's a summary of the Bible on page 8, V3, right before page 1 where Genesis 1 begins. In the beginning, the all-powerful personal God created the universe. This God created human beings in His image to live joyfully in His presence in humble submission to His gracious authority. But all of us have rebelled against God 
and in consequence must suffer the punishment of our rebellion, physical death, and the wrath of God. Thankfully, God initiated a rescue plan, which began with his choosing the nation of Israel to display his glory in a fallen world. The Bible describes how God acted mightily on Israel's behalf, rescuing his people from slavery and giving them his holy law. But God's people, like all of us, failed to rightly reflect the glory of God. Then, in the fullness of time, in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself came to renew the world and to restore his people. Jesus perfectly obeyed the law given to Israel. Though innocent, he suffered the consequence of human rebellion by his death on a cross. But three days later, God raised him from the dead. Now the church of Jesus Christ has been commissioned by God to take the news of Christ's work to the world. Empowered by God's spirit, the church calls all people everywhere to repent of sin and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. Repentance and faith restores our relationship with God and results in a life of ongoing transformation. The Bible promises that Jesus Christ will return to earth as the conquering king. Only those who live in repentant faith in Christ will escape God's judgment and live joyfully in God's presence for all eternity. God's message is the same to all of us. Repent and believe before it is too late. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Amen? What a beautiful summary of God's word in 300 words. I encourage you, if you were to go by the olive tree and, and buy one of these, we might have a few copies that we can, you can make a donation and get some. Um, I plan on buying a few back from the church to use in my business. But I encourage you, you open it up on the one of the first white pages and write a note. I wrote one to my wife. I can't remember how I started, but I think it was to the one I love, may you enjoy this book as much as I have. And may you re be reminded that we are a part of a grander, bigger plan. And I wrote several verses of scripture and I said, love, Chris. That's what it means to be intentional about sharing the gospel with other people. This is a tool. Amen. All right, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to um, 2 Timothy. If you'll turn over to 2 Timothy for me. We are in our 10th, I think it's our 10th message in 2 Timothy. My, how time is flying by. I told a pastor friend of mine that, and he said, wow. I don't know if that was like, he thought I was going too slow or what. But when we were talking, I uh, shared that with him. Actually, I think it's verse 10 in this series, but I preached Mother's Day, a message out of 2 Timothy as well. So we've been in 2 Timothy for quite a little while. I want to set the stage for some of you who may not have heard any other parts of this series as we're preaching and teaching through it. 
Um, basically, you, hear, you have here the Apostle Paul. As he is nearing death, mind you, he has uh, been doing the work of an evangelist. He's been uh, preaching and teaching the gospel. He's been planting churches. And so here we see him in a jail cell, getting ready for his execution. He's writing to his protege. He's writing to his co-labor, Timothy, a younger man in the ministry who's coming behind him. And these are the words that he's pinning. And here in this final uh, message in chapter 1, I want you to see a few things. So if you will, look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. You'll find these similar words. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Homogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love letter to us. Lord, we thank you that Paul penned these words as he saw his martyr's death before him. Lord, these are words to challenge us, but they're also words to comfort us as well. So Lord, help us to be intentional like Paul was with Timothy, to share what you've done in our lives and to point them to Jesus. For it's in his holy and precious name I pray. Amen. I just want to start this morning and I want to start with a story. I was supposed to start with that originally, but this morning I'm really kind of preaching without notes or without a lot of notes because I really internalized this message a lot. And so I want to ask you, has there ever been a time in your life where someone you cared about walked away? Has there ever been a time in your life where someone you loved that you cared for deserted you? If there has been, this morning's message is for you. You see, I know that feeling. The first church that I was called to pastor was New Life Church in Rembert or Dazelle, depends on whether you want to talk about the post office box or where it was physically located. It was located across from Thomas Sumter. And when we got there, we had about, I don't know, 36, 38 people that would attend. And as time went by, we had uh, some younger couples who were there. That was promising. They had children. I was excited. And they came up and they said, independently of their own, I guess, they came up and said, this, is, this isn't where we're supposed to be. Okay? So I had to step back and I had to remember that it's about the big C church. It's about God's greater plan. So both of these families, they were military with young kids. And I told them, in my opinion, that because I had served and been from this community, they had two options. There were two decent options that they could go to if, since they had children and they were military. 
And that was two churches. That was Alice Drive and Cross Point. And what's interesting is one family went to Alice Drive and one family went to Cross Point. They've since moved on because their military careers have led them elsewhere. But as time went by, we began to dwindle. Those two families with four or five each left. Our van ministry that was picking up children in the neighborhood stopped running. If I could paint a picture for you, this is not about me, but it's about how God works in seasons of our lives. When we feel deserted, I would stand at the back door and there was a window about yay high. When you turn into the parking lot, you would come down a little slope. Sunday after Sunday, I would stand at the back door waiting and say, God, is anybody else going to come? It got so interesting that at one point, one precious saint, I can call her name because she's deceased now. She died of cancer, I think. She came up to me one Sunday, and I don't know what her intentions were, whether she was trying to be used as a tool of God, right? Because God speaks through other people. Whether she was trying trying to be an encourager or a discourager, I don't know. But she said these words. She said, I feel like I'm on a sinking ship. So we ministered. And I won't bore you with the details, but let me tell you what. It was a beautiful picture of what God wanted. Because there was a group that met across the street from you that was called Gate Away, Gate Stone. I don't remember what they were called. doesn't matter. They met across the street from you. It was an African-American congregation. They met at the Santee Baptist Association. And they had been praying faithfully for two years for a building. So one day I was in the office and began to pray. And it's one of the times in my life that I really heard that still small voice. And I said, God, what am I supposed to do with this building? What am I supposed to do with this van? What am I supposed to do with this property? What am I supposed to do with these assets? And I felt like he clearly said into my spirit, it's not yours. Be a good steward. What's fascinating is that church that met across the street that is pastored by Reverend Bill Bennett, who's also bivocational. He's the head chaplain at Pilgrim's Farm, Pilgrim's Pride. He and his congregation were predominantly from Rembert. So they were driving past us to come here. So I presented a plan to the director of missions and he prayed about it. A week later we met. They assumed who we were and we came back across the street and started Cornerstone. Now, had we never done that, our paths would have never crossed because there was David Jones called me and he said, our pastor left and we have no one to preach on Easter. Will you come? And I said, yes. And I tell people, that's one time in my life that, you know, people say, well, I got to pray about it. I didn't have to pray about it. Why? Our service was at 10, y'all's was at 11. It don't take a rocket scientist to answer that question. Now, does it? Preach for our people, walk across the street, preach the same message. Y'all got the better version, I guess. I don't know. 
But anyway, I share that with you to say I, I resonated with this message today. And can I remind you this morning that because of your faith, people will desert you. People will walk away. But praise be to God, the ones who are like one Sepphoris, who step up and step in and are intentional about being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about. Let's look at this passage of scripture a little bit more this morning. So you are aware. See, he's writing to Timothy. So Timothy, he's saying, you are aware. You remember? You are aware of all who are in Asia turned away from me. Phygelus and Hermogenes. Those are some interesting names to say, amen? But here's what's fascinating about those two men. We don't know anything about them. They're not mentioned anywhere else in scripture. So I want to remind you this morning, there will be some times in your life, and I think the Apostle Paul, as I read this week, he veiled that on purpose. He didn't have to go into details. Because can I remind you this morning, there will be times in your life when people hurt you, when they desert you, when they walk out of your life, that that all you got to do is someone who's close to you, you just got to say their name. Because sometimes in life, the only people that really need to know and who know are you your family, and God. So we don't know much about these men. But then we see, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Now it's interesting here, some scholars believe that as Paul is is writing to, and he's talking about the household of Onesiphorus, it's also a picture of two things. Two, one that he might have already died a martyr's death for his faith. And that Paul is writing about his family, that the Lord may grant them mercy on that day. So you see those two things. You see that it's talking about maybe the the martyr's death that he died because of his faith. But we also see that Paul is concerned about his household. He's concerned about his family. And then we see some interesting things about Onesiphorus, that he often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains. And he went, when he arrived in Rome, he searched earnestly, and he found me. See, friends, I want you this morning, I talk a lot about Barnabas, because I think that we do need encouragers in our lives. We need a Paul, we need someone who's older than us that can impart wisdom to us, spiritual wisdom. Not just wisdom, but spiritual wisdom. People who've walked through the fire, through trials, through the storm, through the valley with God that can say, dude, here's the verse that gave me hope. You keep pressing on. So we need a Paul. We need a Timothy. He's someone who's coming behind us that we can impart that wisdom. So we need people imparting wisdom, spiritual wisdom to us. But then we can't let that puff us up, right? We're to study to show ourselves approved. We're to study scripture. We're to be a disciple. We're to be a student of God's word. But we should never allow those things to puff us up. Look at what I know. Who cares what you know? Because at the end of the day, as scripture even tells us, even our best is but a filthy rags unto the Lord. 
filthy rags. And not to be gross. But it is one thing that I studied one time to give you a greater picture of what God was saying in that scripture. Our best is but a maxi pad. A used maxi pad to him. That's what God is saying when he says that our best is but filthy rag. It's not just dirty, but it's unclean. And it's something that we don't, you don't come and present that. So remember that you don't let your knowledge puff you up. So be like one Sepphoris. Be a refresher. Be not ashamed. Be a servant and serve. You see, are you thankful? Has there ever been in your life a one Sepphoris? Who has stepped in and who has just been a blessing to you? Who refreshed you? As we tried to, as we've had some conversations over the last few days, God is calling us to impact those lives around us. And we need to be like one sufferer and to step in to the mess. To step into the shame and the bondage and to speak words of life and to speak words of truth. Because guess what, friends? That's what the world needs. They don't need a self-help book. They don't need you to give them a philosophy lesson. They don't need you to tell them how bad they've screwed up. They need someone to refresh them. They need someone to bring them light, words of life, words of encouragement, Words of truth. We see here that these words, the New Living Translation says that he often visited me. He refreshed me. The Amplified says that he showed me kindness. That he was not ashamed. But rather, he encouraged me despite my chains. You see, friends, sometimes you don't deserve to be left deserted. But you realize who your friends are in times like that. It's not the crowd, but the individual who made the difference. Amen. I want you to think about your journey with the Lord today. It's not about the crowd. But it's about the individual. Is I think sometimes, and I read some of the names on these stained glass windows, were they a one Sephiris? Were they a Barnabas? Charles McLeod, Gertrude Jameson, Claire Doby. Did they take what they knew? To the grave? Or did they share it? Were they a conduit? Were they a vessel of God's glorious, life-changing gospel 
and that they allow it to flow to other people. I think they did because if I'm not mistaken, Claire Doby, I know, I guess her granddaughter, her niece, she serves. She serves in the church. She's helping others learn about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. As, as we close this morning, he says in verse 18, May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 7, we see these words as Jesus teaches what's commonly known as the Beatitudes. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You see, friends, today as we come together, sometimes you don't deserve to be deserted. But praise God for that one that's devoted to making much of Jesus. Paul felt it. Paul felt the weight and the, and the disappointment as Phagelus and Hermogenes and all in Asia turned their back on him. I've felt that too. But you know what? Jesus felt that as well. In John chapter 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, he tells them that he is the bread of life. He, He walks on water. He tells them, starting in verse 63, John chapter 6, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by him the Father. And then we see this verse that's underlined in my Bible. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Many of his disciples even turned away from Jesus. A man who could give them life, give them hope. You see, friends, when we present the real gospel, when we share the truth of God's word, and people have to count the cost of what it means to truly follow Jesus, they'll turn away. But praise God for the one who will turn towards Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for those that have spoken truth in in my life. Over my ministry, a man who I couldn't even, I don't even know, couldn't even call his name. When I was a young man in the ministry, he come and he spoke over my shoulders as he asked me about how ministry was going. And he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Sometimes it's just a word. You got to tell him everything you know. Just give him a word of encouragement. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you. Lord, for a message such as this, 
to remind us, Lord, that sometimes when people walk out of our lives, we don't deserve it. But God, if we'll just be faithful and keep following you, you'll show us the way. Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. So, Father, thank you for when it is painful that people leave. You show us the grander vision that you have for our lives. Father, thank you for those who are like one sufferers who have stepped up and stepped into my life. And I'm sure if we were to give a time of testimony today, there are others in here that could testify about a one sufferer in their life as well. Lord, help us to not be like those other men, but to be a co-laborer, a servant, one who refreshes people when we walk in the room. Father, we ask all these things in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus.